Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, junkies. As you may be able to tell by my voice, I am fighting a little bit of a cold, kind of a whole very white with mucus thing going on. Welcome to your second hit of 2023. This one is Slay episode number two. In this episode, we will see more of the man in gray. We'll also see more blood and maybe a little bit of brains. Can't say for certain. I'm having a blast reading these episodes every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern. You can see my sausage. What's that, A? Oh, oh, okay, okay. You can see how the sausage gets made. Join us live at facebook.com slash scottsigler, twitch.tv slash scottsigler, or youtube.com slash scottsigler. Let me get you caught up in the story so far, and then we're all going to go eat a cracker. Previously on Slay. While pursuing a bounty on Dmitry Ivanko, the man in gray saved a teenage girl from a brutal killing. Now the man in gray and his pal, Shitbird, do the violent bidding of a hidden master. There had to be a better way to earn money for school. Hundreds of ways, probably, but not for Billy. He didn't have connections. He didn't even have parents. Not since the second grade, anyway. For most of his 22 years, it had been just him and his grandma. She had no money, which meant he had no money. Then, Joe had called. Easy moolah for someone like you, B, Joe had said. Even though he'd moved to Miami four years earlier, didn't Joe know Billy better than anyone? Even better than Grandma? Two weeks of work. Dangerous work, no question about that, but really, it was just talking. Billy had always been good at talking. And now, it all came down to this. Joe gently slid a knife into the brown package. He swiped the blade with his fingertip, rubbed the fingertip against his gums. He smiled that same lopsided, let's fuck around and find out smile that Billy had known since the fourth grade. Top notch, Dante, Joe said. Billy's breath billowed out in a rush of relief. The fat man in the red tracksuit laughed. You were worried, Billy? Three of the four men standing with Dante Elganov laughed, too. The big guy in a blue tracksuit, LT was his name, did not. LT held a walkie-talkie in one hand, kept looking to the warehouse's corners, to the shadows between the racks of boxes and crates, and even to the ceiling. Joe closed the briefcase, hiding away ten pounds of coke. I really was nervous, Mr. Oganoff, Billy said. I've never done anything like this before. If the coke hadn't been top-notch, would LT or one of the others have put a bullet in Billy's brain? You did great, kid, Oganoff said. Impressive work for a rookie. Seventy pounds overweight, yellowing teeth, hair slicked back by either gel or that same sweat that sheened his face, yet Billy wouldn't have crossed this man for all the money in the world. Whew. If you're happy, I'm happy, Billy said. Grandma loved to use that phrase. Billy should have been at home with her, not in this warehouse at 2 a.m., 
facilitating a drug deal with a real-life Russian mobster. Billy never wanted to do this again. People in the drug game were scary as fuck. One and done, get that bread, bank it away, figure out what to do next. Joe told me you're smart as fuck, Oganov said, and that you have gift of gab. Said you could talk the pubes off a nun's pizda. Seems true. And please, call me Dante. Uh, thank you, Dante, Billy said. Wasn't too much to it, just logistics. Arranging the drop had been simple, if one didn't count the three sets of gangsters he'd met face-to-face -face in the past two weeks. It's more than logistics, Dante said. Much more. You got balls, kid. You're a natural. This deal is first of many. I'm starting up business in this city, and I don't give a fuck what that cunt Kalista has to say about it. Billy didn't know who Kalista was. Hopefully, he would never find out. Until I set up shop here, I need local, Dante said. You are my number one guy. I gather that you've never tried Nurple? The three thugs stared at Dante, shocked. Joe's face lit up like Christmas had come early. LT, though, all six foot six of them, glared at Dante. Do you want Jerboas? The big man shook his head. Because this is how you get Jerboas. Dante rolled his eyes. By the time they get here, Billy will be enlightened. Jerboas, they will move on. Nurple, Jerboas, and that other word, enlightened. Billy wanted out. He wanted out now. I gotta get going, he said. My grandma's home alone. Guy in the apartment next to us is crackhead. Reads a lot of L. Ron Hubbard. Yells at cockroaches. Grandma gets scared if I'm not around. Dante grinned wide. Like I said, you are my guy. He reached into his sweatpants pocket, came out with a small brown glass dropper bottle. You need to know who you are dealing with, and I need to know that you can handle it. He unscrewed the cap. Inside the dropper vial, a fluid the color of amethyst. Stick your tongue out. A little dab will do you. He held it toward Billy. Billy didn't panic. Twice while setting up this drop, he had been asked, almost forced really, to do coke, heroin, to take random pills. He talked his way out of those, and he would talk his way out of this. Dante, here's the thing. I, the fat man, snapped his fingers, and Billy watched frozen as LT reached into his tracksuit and drew an automatic pistol. He aimed it at Billy's head. Don't panic, Billy thought. Don't panic. Dante, there's no need for this, Billy said. It's just that, well, I don't do drugs because of Grandma. I'm all she's got, you know? For some reason, from gangbangers to thugs, from mafiosos to bone breakers, crime guys always seem to have a soft spot for grandmothers. The grandma patter had worked wonders thus far. Your babushka will be fine, Dante said. You've got five seconds to stick out tongue, or LT will put new hole in skull. One? Billy stared at the dropper, at the drip of amethyst. Yeah, but what is it? He's nurple. He's potion, Dante said. Do? Do it, B, Joe said. Trust me, it's great. You won't want to go back. Go back? What the fuck? Three? Fucking Joe. 
Him moving away had been the best thing that had ever happened to Billy. Why had he listened to Joe again? For, Dante said, last chance. Billy was going to die here. Would Grandma ever know? A shame, Dante said. Fight. Billy closed his eyes and stuck out his tongue. Smart, Dante said. The drop touched Billy's tongue, and the world exploded with color. The man in gray watched from the shadows as he waited for the crow. Across from the alley was the warehouse, two thugs in tracksuits standing by the front door. Track suits. How much more conspicuous could you get? He would use his crossbow for the first kill. Even from this far away, the pair of thugs smelled of wickedness. He'd lose no sleep over their deaths. The muted drumbeat flutter of wings, the man in gray raised his forearm, the crow landed on it. Two in the back, two in the back, the crow said. None on the sides, on the sides. None on the roof, the roof. Give me a fucking cracker. You'll get your cracker when the job is done. Did you look through any windows? How many people are, a fucking cracker, a fucking cracker, a fucking, okay, okay, shut up. The man in gray slid deeper into the shadows, watching the two thugs to see if they'd heard shitbirds screech. Looked like they hadn't. Good. He reached into his side pocket and gave shitbird an oyster cracker. Then another, then another. Did you get a look inside? Smoke glass candy ass, shitbird said. Can't see inside. Give me a fucking cracker, a cracker. The man tossed the rest of the crackers onto the alley's dirty pavement. Shitbird dropped down to feast. Dante Oganov had arrived with nine men in two black SUVs still parked in the warehouse lot. Was it only nine? Had there already been anyone inside? It was time to find out. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. On a remote island in Frigid Lake Superior, a fabricated creature birthed from the mind of a disturbed genius stalks the very people who created it. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler is a classic tale of science gone horribly wrong. Available wherever you get your podcasts. A hallucination. Several of them. That's what it was. Billy knew that. Yet the knowledge didn't stop a trickle of pee slipping out before he clamped down, saving his pants from a full-on soaking. Dante had green skin. Green. His mouth was wider. Pointy ears. Yellow eyes. Sharp teeth that were too big for the yellowish lips. I'm high, Billy said. Green Dante nodded. 
I have Warlock chained up in basement in Overtown. He makes the best nurple. Dante's red tracksuit hung on him. He was shorter and at least 50 pounds lighter. What are you? Billy asked. Uh, an ogre? I'd give you correct word later, but for now, goblin is good enough. Dante jerked a thumb toward LT. Longtooth here? He is ogre. Longtooth was a foot taller at least. His tracksuit had stretched out to accommodate his thicker muscles and protruding gut. Grayish skin. Bigger head. Two tusks jutted up from his jaw. Huge nose. Thick brow. The other men, Joe included, looked the same. A selective hallucination? No melting walls, no spins, no disorientation. None of the stuff Billy had heard happened when you did acid. Everything felt normal. Except for the fucking monsters, that was. But, Dante, you're smaller, Billy said. Like, the first law of thermodynamics, I mean... Is that the one about entropy? Dante asked. A drug-dealing goblin in a red tracksuit had just asked Billy about entropy. Entropy is the second law, Billy said. First is that matter can't be destroyed or created. Dante shrugged. Magic isn't physics, and physics is not magic. Still holding the briefcase, Joe walked over, all smiles. Ain't it wild, bro? Magic is nuts! What had Billy's oldest friend gotten him into? This can't be happening, Billy said. This isn't real. I've seen some shit since I started working for Dante, Joe said. You can't science this stuff, B. Just accept it, kick back, and enjoy the ride. Hey, boss, can I get a hit? Joe stuck out his tongue. Dante squeezed out two drops of the purple fluid. Yeah, Joe said. That's the stuff right there. A hallucination. No goblin, no ogre. Did everyone experience shit like this when they did drugs? Well, fuck that. Just say no. See, long tooth. Dante put the dropper vial back in his pocket. No, Jerboa. Now Billy here, understand reality. The sharp squawk of a walkie-talkie. A rushed, tinny voice. LT, Joey's hit. Like a, a fucking arrow or something. The ogre raised the walkie-talkie. Charlie, calm down. Who's out there? I don't know, Charlie said. I... Billy heard the gunshot, both through the walkie-talkie and through the warehouse's thin walls. Another tiny trickle of pee leaked into Billy's underwear. In an instant, the men had guns out. Pistols, mostly. Joe held a stubby-barreled shotgun. Another had one of those little machine guns. Longtooth raised his walkie-talkie. Charlie, talk to me. The ogre waited. No answer. Charlie. Jerome? Again, no answer. Front and back door compromised. Longtooth drew his pistol. We've got company. We should run for cars, Dante said. Longtooth shook his thick head. Vic, Donnie, check the front door. Be ready to shoot. The two men sprinted away. Tony, stay with me. Joe, new guy, check the back. The seven-foot-six ogre shoved his pistol against Billy's chest. A pistol that looked and felt 
all too real. Without thought, Billy took it. He stared at it. He hated guns. Grandma would be so disappointed. Longtooth drew a second pistol. A sound like someone slapping a countertop. Tony stumbled, dropped his gun. A foot of arrow, black shaft and black feathers, stuck out from his left temple. A bloody bit of barb protruded from his right cheek. Tony slumped to the ground. Longtooth fired three shots. Billy wasn't sure where. The ogre grabbed Dante and hauled him stumbling along, firing as he went. Billy felt a pull, too. Joe, yanking him in another direction, into an aisle between storage racks loaded with boxes. Come on, B, get to cover! They'd made it barely three steps down the aisle when a man stepped into view. Tattered, dark gray trench coat. A hood pulled up over his head, hit his face in shadow. Only it wasn't a normal shadow. It twisted and warped, like a thing alive. Like boiling black ink soup bubbling with the essence of evil itself. Billy and Joe stopped cold. A little more pee trickled into Billy's underwear. He was frozen in place. Joe was not. Joe raised his shotgun. The man in gray moved so fast, forward and sideways, the long coat flapping outward, so black inside, deep black, like space with no stars, as Joe fired. Billy flinched at the roar, his eyes squeezed shut for an instant, opened again when the shotgun fired a second time. He saw the man yank the shotgun out of Joe's hands, easily, as if Joe were no more than a thumbless toddler. In almost the same motion, like a rubber band stretched and released, the man flipped the weapon, put the barrel under Joe's jaw, and fired. The top of Joe's head erupted in a puff cloud of meaty chunks. The blood and brains of Billy's childhood friends splattered against cardboard boxes. Joe dropped, lifeless limbs askew. The man with black malevolence for a face turned the shotgun, aimed it at Billy's chest. Then, Billy heard a new sound. The man was sniffing? I ain't here for you, he said quietly. Drop it and leave. The breath from those unseen lips smelled like cheap whiskey. Billy dropped Longtooth's pistol. It clattered against the floor. The man pulled the gray coat, no, not a coat, it was a cloak, that was the right word, slightly open, and slid the shotgun inside as if he meant to pinch it between his arm and ribs. When he released the cloak, the gray leather hung normally, as if there was no weapon there at all. Find another line of work, the man said. Your benefit of the doubt is all used up. That was good advice. Even Grandma would agree. Billy sprinted for the back door. Dante followed Longtooth. They quietly crept toward the front door. That kid, Billy, he had set them up. Dante had to get out of there, had to live to fight another day, to get revenge on Billy and whoever he really worked for. Longtooth reached back a big, gnarled hand, stopped Dante in his tracks. There was the front door, some 20 feet away, red exit sign glowing. On the floor in front of it, Vic and Donnie, 
lie in a pool of spreading blood, dead as fuck. Longtooth looked this way and that. The door was close. They could make it if... Don't bother, a voice called out from behind. I'll get you before you reach it. Dante turned slowly, surprised at what he saw. A man in a dark gray cloak made of leather perhaps hundreds of years old, perhaps thousands. A burbling black cloud hit his face. Oh, shit. A rixator. Take it easy, Dante said. Mind telling me why Bastion cares about insignificant drug deal? I'm not with the Bastion, the man said. Consider me a free agent. Longtooth stepped past Dante, put himself between Dante and the man. You killed our guys, free agent, the ogre said. I like those guys. You want to try your luck? Longtooth slid his pistol into his tracksuit jacket. When the gnarled hand came out, it held a thick sword and a brown scabbard. Ain't here for you, ogre, Larixator said. Drop your weapons and walk. But if you draw that blade, I will cut you down. There was more than a hint of eagerness in the man's voice, more than a touch of challenge. He wanted to fight. Longtooth could walk away. Walk away and leave Dante alone with this murderer. The ogre slowly drew his blade. He tossed the empty scabbard aside. I took his coin, Longtooth said. I gotta do my job. The face cloud vanished. The man in the cloak had steel gray eyes. The hint of a smile. Whether that smile was one of pride or one of murderous glee, Dante couldn't say. The man in gray reached into the blackness inside his cloak, came out with a sword of his own. Spanish, maybe. Shorter than Longtooth's. The blade seemed to shimmer with a pale white light. You killed this shit-eater, Dante said. Kill him and you get bonus. Longtooth rushed forward, brought his blade down at an angle destined to slice the gray-clad man in half. The man didn't parry so much as he flicked his weapon and moved at the same time, knocking Longtooth's arc slightly off target. The ogre's blade slammed into the warehouse floor, kicking up chips of concrete. Longtooth was quick, quicker than Dante would have expected with all that muscle. He pivoted, swinging horizontally in a murderous arc, but his foe was already moving, a flowing blur that was half man, half cloak. A flash of silver white. Longtooth's swing continued, his momentum carrying him around even as his head tumbled away. Red blood sprayed from his neck, some splattering against boxes, some on the concrete, some on his killer. The ogre's body and his sword fell to the floor. The man in gray glanced at the blood streaking his sword arm. God damn it, he said. I just had this dry cleaned. He took one quick step, then kicked Longtooth's severed head. Dante flinched and winced, raised his hands uselessly as the bloody mess bounced off his chest and into his shelf, where it wedged, face out, in a narrow space between two cardboard boxes. Dante saw Longtooth's eyes blink once, twice. The lips moved as if the ogre wanted to say one final word, but no words came out. Shit-eater, huh? The man in gray wiped his blade on the thigh of Longtooth's blue tracksuit, 
leaving a streak of blood. Are you insinuating that I actually eat feces? Dante raised his hands, palms out. We can make deal. The coke is worth 300 large. Take it. Want something else? Let's talk about it. Ain't me you gotta talk to. The man put his sword inside his cloak. He seemed to fish around in there for a moment. When the hand came out again, it held a sphere of blue glass. He offered it to Dante. Take it. Dante did. The sphere flared with a burst of warm energy. Inside it, a face appeared. Dark green eyes. Hair the red-orange of smoldering coals. Thick lips, the top one curled into a haughty sneer of victory. Dante, my love, how are you? Callista. He was screwed. So screwed. To be honest, I have been better, Dante said. The sneer widened into an almost genuine smile. I imagine so, Callista said. I think things might be better for you elsewhere. As in, anywhere but my city. Don't come back, Dante. Not ever again. Understand? Dante nodded. Da, I understand. Wonderful, Kalisa said. Because next time, I won't be so nice. And neither will my friend. Aren't you happy my friend was nice? Dante glanced at the severed head wedged between two boxes, at the decapitated body oozing blood onto the dirty warehouse floor. Da, Dante said. I am happy he was nice. Good. Tell my man I'm sending the cleanup crew and that I want to see him right away. Kalista blew a kiss. The globe popped into nothingness. The undulating shadow once again covered the Rixator's face. She is sending sex gnomes, Dante said. I heard. Stay real still while I frisk you. The Rixator pulled Dante's wallet from an inner right coat pocket, removed the money, tossed the wallet on the floor. He slid the cash into the darkness of his cloak. Dante smelled the booze on his breath. You take my money, Callista. She is not paying you enough. Perhaps we can. Not interested, the man said. Trust me, you can't outbid her. He searched another pocket, came out with a vial full of nurple and a Ziploc bag full of blocky clusters made of yellow, blue, green, red, and orange chunks. He dropped the vial, crushed it under one heel. The bag went inside the gray cloak. No way, Dante said. You are gobhead? What I am ain't your fucking business. You should get moving before Kalista changes her mind. Dante thought of asking for the briefcase, but he had his life, and that was enough. He knelt next to Longtooth's corpse and pulled car keys out of the ogre's pocket. With that, Dante stepped over the bodies of Vic and Donnie and left the warehouse. have been listening to Slay, created and read by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2023, Empty Set Entertainment. For more information on the author and more books, 
visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Superweapon. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.